0: Welcome to Musically Speaking. I'm your host, Mark Conklin. I'm also the Director of Artist Relations and Programming at the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, the East Coast home of the Grammy Museum. Each month, I have the honor of sitting down with some of the biggest names in music to discuss their artistry, creative process, and career journey. We're thrilled to be able to bring some of these conversations to you in this podcast. If you'd like more information on any of our public or education programs, Please visit www.grammymuseumexp.org. In this episode, we feature the audio portion of our recent Behind the Songs online video chat conversation with Melanie Martinez. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Songs, the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center's online chat and performance series with artists, songwriters, and producers discussing the stories behind some of our favorite songs i'm your host mark conklin i'm also the director of artist relations and programming at the grammy museum experience our guest today is multi-platinum pop sensation melanie martinez she recently debuted her seven track ep after school which is also included as part of the deluxe version of her billboard award nominated and internationally acclaimed album k through 12. we're going to discuss some songs from her different projects going all the way back to cry baby and all kinds of things. Melanie, welcome to Behind the Songs. It's so good to have you.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: <laughs> well, first thing I would just ask you is just in general how things are right now for you with, um, you know, the the COVID world and things. How Have you been able to be as creative as you've wanted to be? I, I would imagine you would normally would have been touring this summer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely have more time to write music and work on my next record, which is exciting for me. But I obviously miss touring and performing um so it's kind of like a double-edged sword you know but um but yeah creatively I feel like I've been just you know kind of having like on and off blocks of like you know sometimes I'll be more stuck and like lyrically can't really think of anything sometimes I can't think of things melodically and Um, and then sometimes I'm just like, you know, I should just take a break, live life and absorb the information that I'm kind of witnessing around me and then be able to go back in and like put down what it is that I'm experiencing into music and art. So,
0: yeah. Do you, for, I know all your, most of your music feels very personal, but I was curious from a writing standpoint, are you? Is there ever a time where you're kind of thinking more like a fiction writer? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's fictional elements, obviously. But are you ever kind of from way outside writing stories or is it usually mostly through personal?
1: It's definitely both. It's like a mix of both. Like I, you know, what I love about um, having the opportunity to create through a character's lens is that I'm able to express my own emotions and the things that I'm feeling um, but in a very heightened way and, and through a different character's lens. So there's different storylines that Crybaby would be going through. And I get to talk about, you know, so many different topics that so many different um, people who are listening can resonate with and relate to on a, in a more specific way to, to them and their own story, but also be able to express my own emotions, um, you know, through that character as well. So it's it's really fun for me to be able to create stories, but also, I like adding in the personal kind of um, elements as well.
0: So so tell us about Cry Baby, um, kind of how that comes about, how the the genesis of the idea. Do you recall the first time you had this thought of this was, you know, the, the concept that you had? Do you remember when that was?
1: Yes. So I, I feel like it was kind of this um, gradual development of me figuring out this character. And it was based off of my own sensitivity that I felt as a kid. I felt... Um, very much like, I I don't know, I guess like a lot of people describe, you know, or ascribe themselves to be like an empath. I really resonate with that feeling, the emotions in a room. And I walk into a room, I can feel all the energy and like feel they're really weighed down by it. Or if it's a positive, I, I feel more towards that direction. So um, I, I just wanted to, you know, create a character that expressed, you know, the true essence of who it is that I am and how sensitive I am. But also be able to create these stories that um, were new ideas and concepts that were, you know, things I was observing in the world that weren't necessarily something I was going through at that time. But um, I think it's interesting, like looking back, you know, the way that I write music in general, songs, ideas, concepts is always from beginning to end. So I think it's interesting that with my first record, I started with, you know, the beginning of Crybaby's existence or the beginning of a character's existence in the world, you know, like from the moment she was born and then, you know, K-12 following that is like her growing in the world and then being able to introduce these characters to expand that world. And, um, you know, just kind of naturally, I think my albums will follow that progression from beginning to end and continue to evolve that way, so. Um, I think my brain just works in a very linear way when I,
0: when I write. <laughs> so do you have, uh, um, certainly maybe through K through 12, it might've been a little bit different than Crybaby. crybaby because it does have this kind of storyline. Did you, did you have like a, the titles in mind, like this is how it's going to go and then have to kind of fill in the holes or are you writing songs yeah. and then putting them together?
1: It was more like, you know, um, I stuck with, you know, wanting to write about nostalgia with crybaby and, um, I would go back into my childhood inspirations and write down a bunch of titles that um, were influenced, or you know, these ideas that I that I was able to pull from my childhood. These you know topics or titles, or kind of like I would say like the you know, if it if it's like a cake, it's like the titles are like the sugar coated frosting on on top. And then the actual theme of the topic that I was talking about was much more adult because I was writing about, I wanted to write about topics that I was observing as I was growing into my adulthood and the things I was witnessing. So there was kind of this duality between, you know, the title, which was very like, you know, like um, childlike and this facade, like I said, and then, um, you know, behind it, there was this like deep dark layer of like, just, you know, um, just a storyline that, um, I guess were just based off observations and things I was experiencing and, and whatnot. So I really like contrast. So uh, It's, it's a challenge and it's really fun to write like that.
0: How, how much does it change? Uh, you know, does it the things that you put down in that initial kind of draft of where you think the titles are going to be, does that pretty much the way it lands or over time, do you kind of evolve it and does it kind of take on a a different, a different turn?
1: It's like, I guess my process is mostly like writing out a bunch of titles within the theme. So I would just write down a bunch of titles and then I would um, go into the studio or start with a voice memo with the melody, um, find a chord progression that I really like and keep that on loop for forever and sit in a corner and just write the song from beginning to end um, and would use that title in a very clear way where like the title would be this metaphor for, um, you know, whatever topic or thing I was talking about. So, for example, with Mrs. Potato Head, like um, I thought that it was really interesting, like with the Mrs. Potato Head um, toys, like Um, the concept of it is that you can rearrange and and customize uh, the pieces on a Mrs. Potato Head to change the face. And I easily could relate that to, you know, the trend of plastic surgery um, and just like observing that trend um, and kind of the conditioning that society and media kind of pushes um, on me and my generation, you know, with uh, just, you know, like constantly wanting to look a certain way to be accepted or whatnot, you know, I fully support people doing whatever it is that they, you know, feel comfortable with their body. So it was less about like, um, you know, a judgment, but more just like an observation, you know, from that kind of place of just witnessing just a trend or this thing. But again, it's like, it's so fun to like find these like metaphors to be able to like talk about these serious topics or things that are, Um, and you know existing in the world
0: when when did you first know that you kind of had this gift of putting words and music together like you know that moment of realization that this was like some people call it their I think it was uh, Springsteen said it was his superhero trick or something that he had like when did you first know that you you had that
1: um I don't know I think like I I would write poetry a lot as a kid and that was something I was super into I also loved just painting and doing little crafts and stuff or photography things like that. So I was always really into the arts. Um, But I think when I was like 14 is when I wanted to like get into playing guitar. And so I taught myself how to play guitar using like chord diagrams online and like um, just YouTube tutorials and whatnot. And then started pairing my poetry that was also like very visual um, or just, you know, I, I loved using metaphors and just, you know, using like really interesting um, visual themes to represent uh, an underlying story that was much deeper or um, larger. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know. I just started pairing the two when I was like 14, 15. And then um, as I got older, you know, like I would say 17, 18 is when I started really discovering like what it is that I wanted to do, or
0: the path that I wanted to take as um, an artist and a songwriter. So, yeah. uh, it's, I'm curious. I know visually, obviously, you know, you have a, obviously a certain aesthetic that you've done. You know, you're directing films now and things. So, you obviously that's a, a gift for you, and you use a lot of imagery in your lyrics. So, you know, there's it's an emotion. Obviously, it's emotional. It's a song, but at the same time, it's not always just how I feel. You're using a lot of images to do that. So how much of that um, comes from film or, but I'm also curious, do you read a lot? And, you know, if so, are there certain things that have kind of like, you know, been inspiration for you and, 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 and focused your lyric writing even more?
1: Um, well, I think that everything collectively that I have, you know, liked, listened to, or, um, you know, even seen and just passing in my life, like, has influenced me in some way, shape or form, whether it was subconscious or not, you know? Um, But I think visually, like I could think, I I think I could name my biggest visual influences probably like Mark Ryden's um, artwork um, and like Nicoletta Cecily. Those are like my two favorite um, just artists, visual artists. Um, And then As far as like reading, I mean, like, yeah, I think like whatever I'm into reading, it kind of influences, I wasn't really reading many books during the crybaby process of like writing the album or K through 12 really, but right now I am um, for my next record. Um, And I don't really want to give away too much of that since it's (laughs) obviously, it's probably going to be, you know, I don't know when it's going to come out because I'm still working on the script for the film and the album and whatnot. So. But um, but I'm finding more that like books are now influencing my work more so than they were before. But I think, you know, before I was more um, inspired by just visual art.
0: Tell me a little bit about your collaboration process. Obviously, you're... Working with a producer, I guess, occasionally a, a co-writer as well. Um, how has that been for you? Was that an easy transition? You know, when you come from a, like your, your kid doing a singer-songwriter thing, and suddenly, yeah. you know, just people yeah. in the room. Co-writing
1: are- is still hard. I have yeah. to say, co-writing is still very difficult for me because, and and you know, the only person that I co-write with now is um, Jeremy uh, Kinetics of Kinetics and One Love, um, and. I really enjoy writing. I'm actually writing with him now for my next album and like I would say the difference is this K through 12 a lot of it I wrote just like, you know, the lyric and melody alone and usually this is how I write after school I wrote that that way as well where I just sat in a corner and from beginning to end would just like write it on my own and then once I was done um, figuring it out I would get on the mic and record it and that would be it and so Um, This time, you know, it's kind of like going back to the crybaby days where I'm like working with Jeremy again and we're like throwing these ideas back and forth and sometimes like I you know he's he's so amazing at being able to be like, um, just think of things on the spot right away and like we'll just say it and I'm the type of person who's very I have an internal process where I need to like sit alone (laughs) and like think to myself and like plan it out before I like say it because I get nervous saying things I feel like I have to really like figure it all out prior so He's really amazing uh, to work with because he gives me that space to be able to figure it out on my own and also uh, bring in ideas that really are crucial to um making the story that that much better so i I really like that type of process where people still like give me that space but like are also able to contribute really awesome ideas that that help the story
0: that's always the balance right of knowing when to when to keep quiet almost, yeah. you know, just sit in a room and think, <laughs> uh, with somebody. Yeah. Um, are, are, do you, are you always thinking of concepts when you're writing now, like a uh, project wise or, or do you, are you ever just sitting down and going like, I have this song idea. I think this is a great title and, or is it always within the context of a, a concept now?
1: It's, it's always within the context of a concept. Like right now, you know, I have this concept or it's really more so like um, a film idea or, or it's a movie that I have in my head. And I'm on like page 50, but I'm probably going to have to revisit those 50 pages <laughs> over and over and over again until, you know, until I figure it out. But, um, but yeah, I'm in this place of uh, just having this general map. So what I have in the studio right now, for example, is we have this whiteboard and we'll just, you know, I'll write out like from, you know, track one to track 13, just like every um, feeling that I wanna convey in each song, what the song should, um, you know, uh, sound like, what the song should generally be about um, because it's gonna fit a part in the film that I have planned in my head. So it's like, I'm kind of like, simultaneously working on the film and working on the album when before I only worked on the album first and then made the film after. So this is a different process for me altogether, right. which is exciting, but you know, everything new is kind of daunting and can be a little intimidating, so.
0: And when when you're in this, when you're working in the studio, different vocalists um, have different feel. You know, some people like to be kind of coached through and having somebody going, working them, going try this, try that. Are you more that, or do you more kind of like, I know what I need to do, just let me do this and see how, you know. I'm
1: more like I know exactly what I need to do. (laughs) Like, even like, I kind of describe my recording process as like going through these different characters. Like, um, I'm the type of person who will do like just 100 takes, like over and over and over again, but it's only because I'm like trying to find this character tone in my voice that fits the exact feeling that I'm trying to give off in the song. So, um So it's like finding that character, once I find it, once I'm actually in the pocket, then, you know, it's there. And it's like, I know exactly, you know, what it is. I love comping vocals too. Like, I'm really kind of, um, yeah, I'm I'm into that process for sure.
0: (laughs) Editing. You were talking about writing and you said that you, 50 pages and you'll have to revisit. Um, Is it a different Mm -hmm. process writing for you? Songs versus, say, scripts, let's say, where... Do you go back and revisit songs a lot, or does it more flow out of you and you're like, this is kind of where it is when it's done?
1: That's, yeah, they're very different. Like the script writing is more like, you know, I'm, I'm constantly having to revisit and kind of um, figure out the details. And then with songwriting, I feel like, you know, I have a hard time going back to songs. I usually just like writing it from beginning to end, then and there. Because sometimes when I go back, you know, I I'm not in that same exact energy or emotion that I was feeling that day when I was putting, you know, all of that information down. So when I go back, I'm almost like in a different place and it feels a little like scattered. But um, but I do that sometimes where like, oh, I don't. I don't like, you know, the way this bridge sounds or I just don't have a bridge. I have to write a bridge. That's usually the case where I like skip the bridge because the bridge feels like such a departure anyway that I like coming back to it because I am in a different energy. And that kind of gives that feeling in a bridge where you're like, we're taking off into this other place, you know.
0: And harmonies. Now you have you do a lot of very interesting, intricate harmonies. Was that always a thing for you? Was that something is a kid that you learned or is that something you developed later on when you were in the studio?
1: Um, that was something that naturally I just, when I started recording and, you know, I'd be like, okay, like, um, let's just keep recording more things, you know, like any background vocals or whatever um, it was, harmonies or whispers. A lot of the time right. I'll like layer in these like whispers and stuff just to give it more texture, you know, I love, I don't know, I just, I love that stuff. But, and, or sneezing um, in the nurse's but, yeah, office. Know, you weren't harmonies- sneezing. That, that wasn't yeah. you, was
0: it?
1: <laughs> No, no, but I love okay. yeah those type of sounds. Yeah, um, yeah, I love things like that. I love bringing in any way that I can make a song more visually um, like stimulating. You know, like where people can hear it and know exactly what's happening in the story. Like um, nurse's office, obviously, did that with the coughing, the sneezing, um, the peeling off of the band aid. Um, uh, wheels on the bus, in K-12, we did that with the vehicle sounds, the bus sounds, with it driving, the windshield wipers, the door opening, show and tell, we did that with the crank on the marionette box or the chains to signify, you know, being like, um, kind of uh, held down or controlled. Um, the uh, There's so many. I mean, it's like orange juice, like the juice sounds, you know, the squeezing of the orange sounds. Um the like swinging or like the chattering of like um you know the kids in the the courtyard type of vibe like all that type of stuff is is so fun to incorporate into music
0: and i was curious about that about where you get a lot of these sounds not where necessarily but like um because i've learned not to ask people where they get their sounds it's always a bad thing they don't want no one wants to give it away but uh, (laughs) but i but i'm curious because there's so many like the 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 child's musical toy sounds, you know, and I, I just can't picture you like running through the garage sales, looking for the, the little tinky things that make the the children's noise. Do you during do this? During
1: crybaby, sometimes during crybaby, sometimes we would. Yeah. And even okay. now, I mean, like if we have like a cool little, you know, thing that makes a cool sound, we'll sample it or use it, or try to do something with it. Um, but yeah, crybaby process was very much like that actually. Like, uh, we even had moments where, I mean, there's some songs that are obviously unreleased songs or whatever, but there's this one song that we made where we went to the 99 cent store, it was called 99 cent store, it was the song. So we went to the 99 cent store that day and we grabbed a bunch of toys and that like, you know, lit up and made these weird sounds and whatever. Um, and we like used them in the song and it sounded really cool, but it didn't, it didn't make the, the final album just because of story and whatnot, um, but it was a cool song. So yeah, I like doing things like that. I think it's really fun
0: that's uh interesting how how often do things you know the the proverbial cutting room floor uh in music how often do you find that you have songs that just for whatever reason don't make the cut and maybe you still like them but they won't see the light of day
1: necessarily yeah. i'm pretty like decisive like i feel like um i usually know when usually I say usually because after school was kind of a different process, but with cry baby, I was very sure of like the songs that I wanted to be on the album because I was piecing uh, together the songs in a a storyline. So I needed to make sure that it fit together and that it told um, a story and it wasn't like kind of just a bunch of songs thrown together, you know? So, um, it, it depends like K through 12 as well. Like, you know, after writing the songs, I, I pieced together the storyline and then wrote the the film, which then kind of expressed more of what that storyline was. So, but after school was very different because it's an EP. So, um, you know, it wasn't this like, since it was kind of like a second part to K through 12, I, I had like so many extra songs laying around that I was like, oh, no, but maybe this song. I'm like, oh, but I really love this song and I can only fit it into seven songs. So I was like, oh, this is so hard. <laughs> um, but the last minute songs that were almost not going to make it on after school were Glued and Field Trip. Those are the two that I was like kind of toggling between other songs still. But I was like, I'm just going to do it because I
0: I felt a gut feeling. So I'm happy I did now. Uh, It it worked out pretty well. Um, Now, (laughs) we'll we'll come to K through 12. But interestingly, uh, Playdate had this resurgence, you know, and all of the stuff that's happened like with TikTok and things like that. Has that been like kind of this cool surprise for you to see that five years later? Like it's suddenly, I mean, it was very successful at the beginning, but, you know. But now, even more so. I mean, that yeah, has to it was, be. Yeah, it was
1: an amazing surprise. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It, it was definitely like a little gift at my doorstep on a random day. You know, it was really cool. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm really happy that people are resonating with that song even you know five years later. Like that's really right. cool. <laughs>
0: um, tell me, uh, we we get into K through 12 now. You're when you're creating this, you're thinking already you have. You're, you know you're going to do the movie or are you thinking I'm doing this and I want to do a movie? Like, how's the, how do those two come together?
1: K through 12 was like, it was an interesting process with discovering that I wanted to make a movie because at first I was, you know, even with crybaby, I wanted to technically make this bigger, you know, piece of visual film for the, um, for the album. But you know, I didn't have, obviously it was a new artist that just signed to the label. So, and I, you know, most artists are only allowed like two music videos uh, per <laughs> album cycle. So like trying to even convince them to make another music video and another music video. And another, it was like, it was just like, I, and I was able to make 13 music videos, but again, that took over the course of years, like it took right. time to be able to write these treatments and, um, and be able to, you know, like just see if I can even shoot them. And so we were able to do that. And then after doing 13 videos, I was like, you know what, I really just want to make just one body of work that's like, you can watch from beginning to end and hear all of the music within it and have the story laid out in a very clear way. And I'm like, that's a film. So I'm going to make a film because it seems like the best way to tell the story. So with K through 12, I wrote the album and then I was like, yeah, I think this is I'm just going to go for it. I think I'm just going to make it into a film. And luckily, you know, Atlantic was super supportive with that idea. And they really pushed me to continue to um, just kind of, you know, let myself um, tap into that uh, creative energy and use it to make something that I had never made before. I'm really happy that they were, you know, down for it. Cause it was definitely a very intense process and, they stuck with me through it all. And I'm just super grateful.
0: I was going to ask you that. Um, There's always the rub of art and commerce, you know, uh, of putting these two Mm -hmm. things together. And for someone like you who is obviously such an an artist and has been, even from the early days, it was obvious, even in the, you know, when you were first coming out, How, how hard is that to balance that you wanted to be successful? Obviously you want, you know, want many people to hear it, but at the same time saying, yeah, but I'm not going to make certain songs a certain way just to appeal to whatever, like, you know, how has that been as a process for you as you're, as you're kind of going through your process now and getting older and making music?
1: Um, I think when I was younger, obviously, you know, my first album, I wasn't thinking about any of that at all, because I was just like, I just want to make this concept. And I was just kind of writing every day to try to gather this idea together to be able to make my first project. And so, um, and even with K through 12, yeah, I don't really, I guess I just don't really think about, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing or what people expect of me, you know, like I, I feel like it's really important um, when, you know, to be sure of your vision um, and to stick with it and to, just express yourself the way that you want to express yourself. Cause at the end of the day, like when I die, like I'm going to look back at my work and I want to be proud of the work that I put out there. I don't want to ever have a moment where I look at a a song and I'm like, Oh, I only did that to, you know, uh, appease the label or to, you know, to try to, um, you know, open myself up to a specific audience or whatever. It's like, it's okay that my audience is specific and, you know, like, and they're very similar to me. You know, um, I, I definitely see myself and a lot of these young kids who listen to my music. And, um, I think that's really special when you express yourself authentically, it attracts people who, um, are on that same vibration or frequency. And then you create this, you know, this, um, energy together where you're now playing at shows and, all these people who will resonate with the music are, um, are, you know, in their feelings in this very intense and deep way, just like you were when you wrote it or just like you are when you're performing it. So I think it's really, really important to stick to who you are authentically because it attracts people um, who resonate with that, you know?
0: How, how has your process changed at least like at least studio wise, has it changed like from cry baby to K through 12? Um, are you, different in the studio or are you faster or do you kind of like know where you want to go like how has that evolved for you
1: um, I think it's just different every time like like some days I'll go in the studio and this has always been the case like even you know during the crybaby writing process where I'll go in the studio and some days I'm just like my brain isn't really working. <laughs> like I can't, I can't think of anything. <laughs> like it's like no melodies want to come out. Like no lyrics or ha- nothing is happening in my brain. Head empty, like just completely. And so, <laughs> and so, and then in those moments, you know, like if you know, I've been working with people that I've worked with for so long, like Kinetics One Love or um, or Michael Keenan. Like um, we'll just like end up watching a movie that ends up inspiring us, and then the next session we have we think of something really interesting. And without that moment to breathe and and to just, you know, collect our thoughts and to let ourselves be inspired by something that we haven't seen before, or maybe something we have seen before a million times, but we're just wanting to watch it again for some sort of spark of inspiration. Like, I think those those moments are really important for the writing process.
0: Did you ever feel pressure? Like, man, I've Uh, you know, after you got signed, like, I've got to get something here. I've got it. Was there ever that early on? Did you have that and kind of grow out of it? Or were you always kind of okay with letting it be?
1: Um, I was always pretty much okay with letting it be, you know, like I'm very critical of myself. So I do feel like the pressure doesn't come from other people per se. It comes more from myself where like, you know, even if I, if I I could write a song in a session and everybody in the room will be like, that sounds amazing or, you know, the other person will be like, that's, that's amazing. And I'm like, you know what? Eh, like, it's not visual enough or it doesn't tell the exact story that I was going for, you know, I'm very hard on myself. So I think like I kind of have this standard in my own head um, that has nothing to do with uh, what other people place on me, but more so just what I feel and hear and, and think and see like, uh, and if I don't meet that standard in my head, I'm very hard on myself.
0: So. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean you're an artist, right? That's the whole. That's the, yeah. the, the, the blessing that's and the it. curse. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, what was sonically? What were you between the two when you got in, got to K through twelve? Was there a new something you were looking for different in? And how did if so? How did you achieve that? Like, what was the the method of getting to what you wanted to hear? Um, I
1: think adding the visual elements. K through twelve was way more visually, um, like we added a lot more, um, kind of Foley movie type sounds, um, in K through 12. So I think that that kind of was the progression. Um, I love doing that now. I feel like that's like just a big part of my music now. Um, but also, yeah, sonically, I mean, obviously with crybaby, I leaned more towards, um, toy sounds and any sounds that would spark nostalgia, um, or bring me back to my childhood. Um, and, with K through 12, it was more about school, so I obviously wanted to have things like the pencils hitting the desks, you know, like um, those little moments here and there to make you feel like you're in the environment of school. Um, and then with my next record, um, I'm, I will do the same, you know, same kind of thing where whatever the theme is, I will cater to that theme sonically and, and lyrically and melodically. <laughs>
0: and without giving too much away um but is it safe to say that the character continues on and there are other uh adventures or or can we not even say you tell me <laughs> i'm gonna take that as a yes but no I... <laughs> let's
1: just say crybaby evolves that's all i will okay. say is that crybaby evolves
0: there you go and um the newest ep uh after school. Now it's it's very interesting because it is stands alone, and yet it's also obviously part of the the deluxe version of, of K through twelve. Um, do, do you feel that's? I, I think you said it, is is it kind of a part two, kind of an, an addendum, I guess, to to the K through twelve project.
1: It's a part two in the concept, but not in the storyline because there isn't a storyline in the after school EP. It's more so, you know. Just a collection of songs that I wrote during those three years of discovering myself and understanding certain life lessons that um, were being thrown my way and expressing the lessons, even if it was subconsciously. Like I think when I wrote Glued, like I wasn't even really I didn't even really remember that session was so like we we just were kind of like messing around and we're like, oh, I'm just going to, you know put these lyrics down, I wasn't thinking super critically of glued but it happened. And then when I looked back at it, I was like, wow, like, this is very much, uh, you know, a lesson I'm dealing with right now, you know, the lesson of um, detachment and attachment, you know, not being too attached, um, because you can get hurt, and then not being too detached, because then you don't feel any depth of love whatsoever. So, you know, that kind of um, healthy detachment, healthy attachment, those those kind of things. Um, it was just like, very per- more personal. Like, this is the first time I ever put out a project, and it wasn't through the lens, particularly of Crybaby. It was my own lens. Um, and I have, you know, a song about, you know, breakups or even just a personal song like Field Trip, which is, you know, something I've never done before, just like only purely write about like me and who I am um, as a person, you know, uh, which is, you know, it's hard. I think it's hard um after creating a character and writing through her eyes for so long, it was really hard to be vulnerable, but also very cathartic for me because I was expressing myself in a way that I hadn't ever done before.
0: What's left for you to do that you haven't done? I, mean, I know there's projects that you want to do, but is there is there something, um, you're making films, so you're doing a lot of different things, acting, etc., but are there other th- other things on the horizon for you that you kind of go like, well, I'd like to move into and do some more of this or or different things that you've been thinking about?
1: Yeah, I always think about, you know, wanting to like I, I really want to make a poetry and photography book one day, like with the both both of them combined. I love photography. Um, I love making, you know, poems here and there. And so I would like to combine that. But also like, you know, I would love to start some sort of clothing line or something because I love designing. Um, It's something that I could just do for hours when I'm just bored at home. Like that's, I'll just pull out my iPad and just start drawing a bunch of costumes. Um, So there's a lot of things that I I like that I'm probably gonna start incorporating um, into certain projects and stuff in my life. But, you know, obviously with making a film and making an album, those two things take priority for me. (laughs)
0: And but and a bunch of time too. It's not. It takes some time yeah. to put these things together. They don't happen overnight. Well, it
1: does. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Now, will it be easier the
0: second, uh, the next time? Do you think you think you've learned enough from the first time? I hope, so. You- <laughs> I
1: hope so. I hope so. You never know, right? I feel like right. everything is different every time. Like I, right. I want to say yes, it'll be easier because I know what I'm doing now. But <laughs> then I'm also like, oh wow, like it's still you know. Everything is always, I'm always trying to push myself to do something I haven't done before. So with that always comes this inevitable uh, intimidation or this feeling of, oh my God, this is so much. How am I going to get through this? You know, but, but it's really exciting uh, on the other end because you can look back at it and be like, wow, like I'm I'm really proud of this, you know?
0: Yeah. When that stops, that's when you stop doing it, right? Like that's why, that's why you do it is to (laughs) get to the the next, (laughs) as much as you might hate it in the moment sometimes. Yeah. totally. Well that's great. It's uh um obviously it's great to hear some of your insights and, and learn more about what you do. Your artistry is, you know, inevitable, but to hear kind of your process behind it is very interesting and and uh Melanie, thanks again for taking the time to be with us. We we really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. Lovely talking with you.
0: You as well. Hopefully one day maybe even in person there'll be an audience in front of yes. us like we normally do. Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be awesome. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for watching this episode of Behind the Songs. And until next time, I'm your host, Mark Conklin, encouraging you to make music and make a difference. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Musically Speaking. If you'd like more information on any of our public, digital, or educational programming, please visit us at www.grammymuseumexp.org. Join us next time for another episode of Musically Speaking. Until then, I'm your host, Mark Conklin, encouraging you to make music and make a difference.